fundamental difficulty that people experience when uh, in their relationship the, um, the passion or the sexual attraction diminishes is that they somehow think that's an indication of something being wrong in the relationship. And it's, it, it could be, but more often than not, it's not. Because relationship and sexual passion, or what is generally called polarity, are not related, except that um, the more you have in common in relationship, the less sexual tension you'll have. Right? So that's where it becomes a bit dicey. And so how I look at this uh, in general is that whatever is um, concerning the relationship would be areas um, of, um, let's say, uh, lack of communication, uh, lack of uh, common goals, lack of understanding, um, lack of time spent together, uh, you know, uh, differences in the way money uh, is perceived, religion, ch child rearing. Those, are, those kind of areas are areas of relationship, uh, maintenance and, and uh, work. So if you have trouble in those areas, then you do therapy, whatever modalities of therapy, right? You, uh, uh, you learn how to communicate better, you go to a counselor and you, come, you, you decide on common goals. If you can't have common goals, maybe you'll um, you know, just deal with the fact that you have irreconcilable differences and relax around that. There's all kinds of things that you can do in the realm of relationship. Um, passion going down or diminishing or uh, being rare or sexual um, desire for each other doesn't fall to me. There's other people make different uh, distinctions. Uh, having worked as a counselor um, and also having worked in the, in the realm of sex and polarity for equally as long, almost equally as long, I'd say that um, to me sexual attraction, erotic tension, sexual chemistry, polarity, however you want to fall it, is a, uh, say it, it falls into a completely different category. And the category is one that's almost like physics. So um, what is commonly referred to as the masculine and the feminine, the two poles that you animate when you want um, sexual tension, has nothing to do with your relationship. On the contrary, typically the more um, you have in common with, a, with your partner, the less pronounced the opposite poles are because there's a lot of same making that has to happen because like for instance you're raising a child together right when your father and mother to a child polarity isn't really uh, you know the primary goal so to speak on the contrary it's not really appropriate to be highly polarized in front of your child because polarization means you're actually very different so in polarization, what we're looking at is that one person um, takes on one asana, so to speak, posture, right? Psycho-emotional psycho sexual asana. The other person takes the almost exact opposite. And so the more different you are, the stronger the arc of attraction or polarity will be. You know, it's like when you have a plus and a minus pole, 
um, they have to have a certain there's a certain tension there um, plus and minus pole on uh, uh, you know on on electricity makes an actual arc you know and and so the thing to know though and what's very important is that it's really not that important that you pull it apart into masculine and feminine on the contrary therein lies a bit of a trap because once you identify yourself so strongly you um, have to negate other parts of you and that's a problem right sexual polarity is really only for the bedroom it doesn't have to happen in the rest of your life and so when you start strongly identifying only as the masculine or only as the feminine it typically negatively interferes with the rest of your life so all you need to know is the more differences you have the more you will have sexual polarity so what that means technically is that when one person is still the other person must move when one person is very relaxed in their body the other person has to have structure when one person knows where it's going the other person shouldn't have any idea where it's going that's as simple as it is now you can say that whoever knows where, who's, where they're going is the masculine and whoever flows is the feminine. It's one way of looking at it. Um, or whoever has the structure is the masculine, whoever is relaxed is the feminine. But it's not quite as simple because a rigid masculine is very off-putting and a completely floppy, undisciplined um, feminine is also very off-putting. So it's the right... Um, amount of everything in, a, in an integrated human being but for the sake of sex you exaggerate it wildly so for the sake of sex only you become helpless and completely uncoordinated so that he can assert direction which creates the arc or for the sake of sex um, he uh, decides where it's going and how and when while you kind of go along for the ride and that's really all it takes tomorrow we'll be going into the, the differences in what you do with your body um, to create that arc uh, it's very simple actually because in a polarized relationship there can only be one of each so the problem is though when both people um, who was where are you there you know are holding space and if you really would hold space the exact same way, there wouldn't be any polarity, which in a client situation isn't really appropriate unless um, that's what's called for as an example. Right? But typically, I would say, even when Steve and I teach, um, the, the general orientation is the holding of a container. Within that, though, one person can fill the container with beauty and uh, speech and movement while the other person holds kind of a zen you know and then there still would be polarity again so there's layers upon layers upon layers upon layers that you can play with but classically speaking when one person animates one end of the spectrum the other person automatically falls into the other so it's just knowing what you're playing with and it's not much different than how you dress yourself or how you 
um, attend to a room, right? You, you pick the outfit, you pick the movement, you pick the disposition that serves that particular purpose. And in sex, that would be um, that one person takes the more passive role, surrendered role, while the other person takes a more active role. Well, there's several ways to go, one of which, which is the most popular um, view on this, is that you figure out what's your natural resting place or essence, and you animate that particular, um, you know, expression. So, in every relationship, there's one person who is more prone towards um, the surrender or being taken, sexually speaking. And this is super important because it's really only sexually speaking. There's lots of women who call the shots in all aspects of the relationship, including money. My personal preference is the me going completely crazy. Um, and when I'm saying completely crazy, not insane crazy, but crazy as in my body moving, my mind moving, my mouth moving, you know. And that's my, that's my more natural disposition, so that would be my essence. And so often people start out by um, solidifying the embodiment of their essence, which is what today's days are. You know, the guys over there probably have been meditating for God knows how many fucking hours. <laughs> and, I mean, St Steve, Steve has a very, very heavy Zen background. He literally started with five. And so uh, you can't be around that guy. There's no wild... There might be lots of movement, but it's not a feminine kind of a movement, right? While um, even though I have a very solid meditation background, meditation is not where my heart's happy or my body is alive for the most part. So, so you learn how to pull it apart and then you bring it together artfully for the sake of creating that tussle, that, that strong polarity. So that's one way of going at it. Another way of going at it would be, this is why we're doing what we're doing here, would be to animate your flavor. Um, so if you would animate snake flavor, was your flavor, right? There's a high chance you'll create a pretty strong polarity. Just by that, and um, you know, and then the thing takes its natural course. The way it would go is your snake has a lot of energy in the body and that's life moving through the body. So he would probably start beholding you, meaning becoming the witness, which is the highly masculine aspect. Now, if, <laughs> if you do the snake, so to speak, and he snakes with you, then that's something to take notice um, of, which could happen because he's very much into masculine embodiment as pleasure and stuff like that. I doubt it, but let's just assume you come home and you start snaking and now he <laughs> snakes with you. So, that, which might happen, right? Particularly if he's in a playful mood and he spent all day in his masculine and now he wants to just play. Now, what typically happens in that moment is you go, uh, okay, and you stop. And with that, you become more still than he is, and now you are the masculine pole. So how you do it is you have to just outsnake him. <laughs> or you can begin to animate moving what you're feeling, which is what we did in the morning for over an hour. 
right? So you start moving your body with whatever your body is feeling. You have to be fluid because if you're pissed and you start moving as pissed and then the pissed actually transforms and you stay with pissed because you want to be pissed a little bit longer, it's over, right? But if you go, ah, 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 and then that loosens and then you kind of get a little bit of fun going and then, you know, so moving what you're feeling is one way to polarize. Um, moving with a flavor is another way to polarize. There's a third way which we can get to uh, later, which is a little bit more intricate. But moving what you're feeling and flavors of all kinds, we just picked one, yeah, are, are your surefire ways to polarize. And, but the really, really important piece is that when he um, doesn't stop his motion, and you stop the motion, then you are wrongly polarized, so to speak, right? Because you don't, because you, you give up. It's not that you go in your head, well, I guess he needs a little bit of uh, beholding himself and I'll give that to him till he's done and then we'll flip. You go, oh, fuck it, okay. Well, <laughs> all right, I'm watching you. It's kind of off-putting. Why are you wiggling around? Really? Do you always have to be the shiny one in the relationship? <coughs> so that's the trap. That's, that's now the relational pattern where you make it mean something. It's just physics. And that's really, really important that it, it doesn't mean anything. It's just a matter of how bodies are built and what bodies want and are used to. You know? and, and are, but it, you can, very easily you should try this. Let's say you're sitting on the sofa together and he's all relaxed and hanging there. If you, if you watch yourself, you'll notice that you'll get really good structure. Right? And so then what you'll do is you have to be floppier than he is. So you'll start leaning back and you'll start leaning back, and, you know, and then you'll start kind of rubbing your knee and feeling your body and you, you slump back all the way. There will be a moment if you keep it up where he'll sit up without you doing anything other than losing the structure because somebody has to hold the structure. The reason I'm so hesitant these days is it's become a prison, right? People have imprisoned themselves in some other gender stereotypes or, or, or archetypes, right? Um, used to be, you, you know, you were a 50s housewife, it looked a certain way. Then you had to be liberated, it looked a certain way. Now you have to be the sacred feminine, it looks a certain way. And it's like, oh, for fuck's sake, right? I mean, can't we be everything, right? It's just a sprinkling of something for the sake of whatever you, your art is, you know, sexual engagement or um, creating beauty or creating uh, ease or delight or, you know, respite sometimes. So, so um, whoever has the structure is the one in charge. If you don't want to be in charge, lose the structure for the time being, right? Not forever, just sexually speaking. So that's the quickest way to give you a bit of a breakdown of um, you know, how that works. And you have two tools available that you've learned today, one of which is moving what you're feeling. And the more you do that, the more fluid your body becomes in becoming 
expressive to what's happening, right? You're like a leaf in the wind. You know, something happens and your whole body reacts to it. And then what happens to men, because this is another reason why I no longer want to really go with masculine and feminine in the way it's being done, because I've noticed, I don't know how it is here, uh, but both in Europe and in the US, it's increasingly such that men are way more sensitive energetically than women. Do you notice that too? It used to be, oh men, you know, they're such dolts, they don't, you know, they can't feel anything. A man, you know, his, his view is like this. That's no longer true because men have to learn how to become sensitive um, for the sake of relationship, for the sake of child rearing, for the sake of their jobs. And women have been kind of riding on the assumption that they are sensitive for so long that many are no longer sensitive because they've narrowed everything down to business. Who was saying you're feeling so much in your head? Right? When you're in your head, you don't feel that much. Uh, and that's true for men and women alike. Um, so you can't assume anymore that your men can't feel. You have to assume that you have to train your feeling sense to the point where you are equally or more sensitive to energy than the man you're with. Yeah. And not just assume it's your birthright and you have it somewhere there. Um, because these things have to be trained and the way you have to train them is your body has to stay feeling. So, like for instance, if you go and you do you know, two days of surgery, can't allow yourself to feel that much. That would be highly counterproductive. You'd be so fucked up by the end of the day. Uh, and, but then you come home and you see your daughter and then it kind of, oh, you know, you, you release it all hopefully. But it's not a given anymore. And so you don't want to treat it like a given. So moving what you're feeling is a good practice and then lots of flavors so you have different ways to play. No. You can always outsnake your man, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> or out tree or out whatever you had going on, right? But it, it, does, it does mean you have to make your body conductive to energy. No, that, that's very, very important. Like I said, these are like yoga postures, right? They're asanas, they're, but they're just psychosexual asanas. So in a, in a yoga class, you assume some pretty bizarre positions for the sake of your body becoming more conductive and limber and open and whatever else you know people do in yoga. The same is true with the psycho-emotional postures that you need to assume when you want a certain man. So if you want a strong man, just from a polarity standpoint, you can't be strong. That doesn't mean you have to become weak, yeah. but you have to put yourself in a posture yeah. of, I don't want to say weakness because weakness has a weird connotation, but you have to put yourself in, a, in the yoga posture of helplessness, right? So that's not that hard to do, actually. It's just, it takes discipline. So let's just say, I'm making this up, um, uh, you're on the train, whatever, you know, and um, there is a strong man, you know, also on the train, and you're bringing your suitcase in, 
And he goes, oh, let me take this. And you go, oh, no, no, I have it, I got it. Well, that's the end of that affair, right? Now, you and I both know that you're more than capable of you know, carrying your suitcase or bringing it up there. But for the sake of the, the sexual yoga, you'll go, oh, thank you. You know, and he'll go, let me take the suitcase. <laughs> yeah. And that's just, that's, those are sexual yoga postures that create an arc. And then if you allow, allow yourself to go, oh, this is a man who can actually take care of business. It's a silly example, right? Um, and he goes, oh, this is a woman who, who doesn't have, who doesn't feel like she has to do everything by, myself, by herself. I can contribute. And that's how it starts, right? Now, can you make your own money, make your own decisions? Of course, and you should, because you should never give up something you've never had, right? When somebody's just some bimbo, I don't know, do they say bimbo in the, in, 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 yeah. You know, you know what I mean by that. You know, some, ah, never, never worked a full day in her life, but you know, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is your willingness to assume a posture for the sake of the sexual yoga play. Yeah. You know? And um, it's not always easy because men who are very strong like to tell you what to do. And when you are a strong woman, you know what to do. So when you meet a guy who just annoys the fuck out of you because he's telling you what to do, that's your man. <laughs> and in that moment, you know, you assess, oh, is he available? Is he, the, is he in my demographic? Whatever, you know, you assess all of those things. But when you get that feeling that, uh, don't fucking tell me what to do and leave me. Why are you so fucking bossy? You, somewhere in the back of your head, you have to go, that's my man, right? And then you run whatever your particular uh, criteria is. And if he's within that criteria, then you'll assume the posture, yeah. right? That's why I'm saying sexual yoga is a posture game. Yeah. It's not like you don't walk around in pigeon pose when you're out in public, right? You do pigeon in the yoga class, it opens your hips in a certain way, it does a certain thing for your disposition, then you leave the yoga class and you walk out. Um, if you then would be required to do that specific thing with your hips, you could do pigeon again. And it's the same is true, if you don't, if you are always in pigeon, you are going to attract the man who's never in pigeon, so to speak, right? But if you have options and choices, and you can go, I live my life, I'm strong, I can take care of myself. But when it comes to the sexual slash dating engagement, I'm going to assume a different set of postures yeah. that are more true to my natural desire, which is I want a strong man. Yeah. Not every woman who is strong wants a strong man. Yeah. Right? Some women go, well, fuck that. I'll take the weak little boy, um, you know, like a, some surfer boy, shiny and... <laughs> 15 years younger than you or so, who, uh, you know, who will delight you and who will bring the energy and the fun in the relationship. There's women like that, lots of them. Right? Um, but if you're not that kind of a woman, then you'll have to say, uh, for the sake of that slice of my life, I'm going to do the um, helpless girl asana. <laughs> yeah, you know? Or the... Um, 
can't find my way asana <laughs> or whatever there, there is that you um, that you can animate for the sake of the play yeah. oh. you're not going against your sexual makeup yeah. your sexual makeup is you want to surrender to somebody who has stronger penetration and guidance than yourself your social makeup is, I can do it by myself, I can move into another country and be okay. But that's not your sexual makeup, so to speak. So you adjust your posture to you know, the uh, occasion. And that's how you um, have actual cause, as much as one human being can have cause, over the... You know, over, over the the way the sexual yoga happens. If you are just doing what you're always doing, you will have weak men who are super happy that you're taking charge of things. Yeah. And like I said, if that would be your sexual makeup, more power to you. But if it's not, it's time to learn a different set of poses. And that's the important thing to understand is that good men are not going to give you a lot of... Um, leeway when you constantly you know tell him to fuck off he might go really you meant that and you go yeah fuck off okay well oh here i'm wanted no and then you wonder why some really bizarre women who you really don't respect have good men who adore them and pay for shit and take care of business and drive them somewhere and you're like why well because they don't have a problem with that it's hard learning, you know, it's very hard learning, but necessary learning. So. <laughs>
that you are oriented towards always is beauty and relationship. Right? Those things never go away. And the um, energy in your lower body and the pleasure that comes with ha having energy in the lower parts of your body is always available. Now, you might not notice that you have a body when you are so much in your head, but your body is still accessible. It doesn't go away. It doesn't grow a dick. Right? So what you do while you're doing all the things that need to be done is you keep one toe into the feminine water, so to, in the female water, so to speak. And you could do that by having things of beauty on your desk or around you, light candles, light incense, have um, hand cream, listen to some music, have photos of things that remind you of beauty, um, have photos of things that remind you of relationship, um, do things to your body that remind you that you have a body. And that's a safe way to always keep that thread going even though you are not focusing on it. No? But that's your, that's your birthright and that never goes away. And so no matter how masculine your, your job gets, your body doesn't transform. And so you can always come back to your body, always come back into your body. And, um, you know, and the same with surgery, right? You, you, yeah, you, maybe you, you are not really paying much attention to your feeling, but your body is still a female body. It can still be dressed the way you want to be dressed. It can still feel things when you move your shoulder and you can feel kind of the rub of the, the you know, whatever, the, the scrubs on your back or something like that. You can always rely on, on the thread that is your body. Or play music, exactly. Or look at a picture of your child or um, have a candle lit that smells good or whatever and just bring your attention back there ever so often. That's the discipline. Like she has to go, put that suitcase down. You know? <laughs> You'll have to go, smell the candle, smell the candle, smell the candle, touch the fluffy plant, you know, or whatever it is. So maybe you need to write yourself a reminder that says, touch the fluffy plant, uh, or a timer that says, touch the fluffy plant. But it's doable. Right? It's, not, it's not rocket science. It's just a tiny little bit of... Uh, discipline towards that which is your nature. Anytime you have a man telling women what to do or a woman telling men what to do, you're in trouble, right? And anytime a man develops a methodology for women or a woman develops methodologies for men, which is not as common, simply culturally speaking, we're not there yet, but we'll get there pretty quickly. Um, and it already exists in a certain way. You got to be very careful uh, because there's a fundamental inability to, um, you know, to be in, somebody, in, in, in another gender's body. And of course, traditionally speaking, and that's not a bad thing because, you know, certain um, philosophies weren't meant for women. No. Uh, the higher tantras, as they were taught to, let's say, Tibetan monks, didn't involve women and women weren't taught those things. And then, of course, it went like, well, why can't we have those teachings? Well, you can, but you have 
different plumbing, right? And you have different um, dispositions and your energy runs different. So if you want to make yourself a man energetically, go ahead. Um, but if you don't want to be a man, probably not that good. And then you have like, um, you know, philosophies like um, uh, the Yogananda people, right? Who are highly against sex of any kind. Then you have other where, you know, um, in the ocean communities, it's all about the sex. Uh, you have to kind of see where do you fall and in, in teachers who've been around for a long time, you look at what's their track record with students, who are their successes, how have the successes behaved. Um, do we have one sex scandal after another in the realms where sex isn't allowed? Um, do we have gurus who are uh, supporting sex just getting laid or is there other reasons for that? So you have to take all of that into account before you make a decision. However, it's pretty normal for most people who are serious seekers or practitioners, however you want to call it, to at least for a moment in time fall into the trap of following a teacher blindly. And that's actually good. It's, very, very, it's a very powerful process. That's how you get your parents out of your system, ideally. Right? That's how you get your society out of your system. You get to work all that shit out with a spiritual teacher or however teacher, right? Could be a guitar teacher. Um, and then you come to that point where you're going, eh, eh, you know, need to, need to feel what's beyond that and make my own decisions. So that's the, to me, that's the bigger thing. Um, that, that said, my personal, um, I have a very interesting relationship to, to that whole um, realm simply because um, I've always really loved bleeding. Mm. Still do, you know, I'm, I'm 49, so at some point that will end, but not yet. And so, to me, the act of um, really acknowledging blood and then really acknowledging uh, the fertile time. And I could, from a very early age on, also because my teacher was very adamant there, you know, determine when I would ovulate and what that looks like. And I think it's a very, very important thing to be very, very connected to your body so that you just on the mucus know where you are in your cycle. And in smell, you know we're in your cycle. Any man who is a really good lover, by the way, can tell where a woman is on their cycle if they're experienced. So every woman should be able to know how they're on their cycle. And um, so I think making, making peace with your bodily functions in general, right, all of them, is very, very important. Tantrically speaking, of course, in the classic tantras, the... Um, um, making peace with all bodily fluids is part of the, you know, the five M's, so to speak, where you, five M's meaning there are certain taboos you break, you know, for the sake of uh, not being uh, caught in societal or religious um, traps. And of course, if your guru puts a, a trap on you, yeah, well, you know, you have to go, well, maybe that's what I have to break, which could be the case why it's put there, but mostly it's for control. And, you know, particularly in the tantric traditions, um, anybody who controls your ejaculation or your menstruation has the power 
because you are now no better than any old Catholic. Oh, I, I can't come, I can't come. You know, don't come, whatever you do, don't come. For fuck's sake, right? That's just somebody else telling you what to do with your body. Not to say that being able to have, um, you know, retention of energy, seminal and otherwise, isn't good. But when somebody tells you that if you do it, either the woman you're fucking or as a man or your guru tells you you can't come, you are giving your control over your most biological functions to somebody outside of yourself. And with that, you've relinquished everything. Same is true with menstruation. If you stop menstruation, you're stopping fertility, so you're no longer um, biologically valuable. And that's a dicey thing to do. Right? Now, um, should, should a man, or could a man, I should say, learn how to have full body orgasms and no longer ejaculate? Absolutely. But one of the things that's not so well known, which is very, very big in, um, in the traditions, that, or in, the, in the primary tradition I was raised with, and also in Steve's tradition, is that there is no technique uh, inflicted at all. It's done by creating such deep relaxation on the pelvic floor, both in men and in women, that the energy naturally begins to take on the, the proper path. You don't squeeze, you don't pump up, you don't hold, you don't stick fingers in, you don't do any of those things. You focus on the deepest bodily relaxation with completely open, the, the three channels completely open, the pelvic floor so relaxed that at any given moment the energy can just drop out the bottom, so to speak. And then the bandhas become um, essentially something that happens naturally versus something you have to engage, right? Same is true with menstruation. If you leave the thing well enough alone, your body will adjust however it needs to for optimum performance, right? And that might mean you don't have a period for a while because that's not, you're not nourished enough or there's too much stress or, you know, and then at other times you're hyper-fertile because the, 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 the conditions are optimal. So that's my general thing. Uh, you know, there's all other kinds of things to be considered, of course, one of which is that most commercial tampons have uh, asbestos, which causes huge health problems. So you should have, uh, you know, cotton instead of this. And then there's people who do the free bleeding thing, which not very practical, you know, when you want to be a normal member of society and not just, uh, you know, trail blood all over the place. <laughs> of course, if you live in the woods and there's no wild animals and you don't go and swim with the sharks, by all means, bleed all over the place. But that's a personal decision and it shouldn't be made into any kind of dogma or religion. So I'm as much against the chicks who are on Facebook in their goddess groups, um, you know, showing photo of blood running down their thighs as I am against guys or women who don't want people to menstruate. It's a deeply personal uh, decision and um, shouldn't be dealt with. However, <laughs> of course, blood's extremely powerful, and uh, blood magic, or however you would want to call it, and, and all of those things, mm, yeah, it's definitely something to look into. 
But that's my personal bias because, believe me, I'm never ha happier than when everything's covered in blood, <laughs> you know, so for ritual purposes. Um, but, um, you know, that's my personal thing and I wouldn't inflict that on other people either. So, yeah, so that's, that's my take on, on, on that thing. And, and coming to the very end of my fertile years, um, you know, I'm not sure how much I'm gonna like not bleeding anymore and, and how much, and I'm realizing how much of a privilege in a certain way it is and not only the blood itself but the whole flow of hormones and the, the moisture and everything you know I can definitely tell my skin starting to do funky stuff as I'm kind of coming down the hill and uh, I have friends who've gone into full-on menopause where you know you get dry and brittle and all kinds of shit so it's a it's a it's a privilege and it's what makes us alive and juicy and so it shouldn't be you know, uh, made something horrible because when you no longer have it, uh, not so good. And maybe one day I can talk about um, how it is on the other end of things um, because I'm sure there's whole other realms to be experienced, but just sexually speaking, you know, things, things uh, take on a different dimension. So enjoy it while you have it. <laughs> yeah. As I would think that as long as it's not made into something that it's not, it is what it is, right? Um, what, what I have a huge um, issue with is when people spiritualize things that are not that spiritual. There's lots and lots of lots of guys, uh, and women, but lots of guys, who just get off on the fact that they can make women come and that they can do things to women and their whole ego. And those are the same guys who are, I can bypass ejaculation with them. You know, like their whole identity is wrapped in, up in being the guy who can do that. Well, that's no different than the guy who can, whatever, meditate for 20 hours straight or stay in some weird ass yoga posture all night, or whatever. Or, you know, the woman who doesn't eat for, because she's constantly fasting or shit like that and it's all spiritualized. It's not spiritual. I mean, guys like to fuck women, and most guys like to fuck a lot of women, and most guys, if given a chance, would have quite a few women if they would get away with it without it being dr dramatic and create lots of trouble. So um, if a guy goes, look, I totally enjoy the fact that I can give a woman pleasure and I can release her a trauma and she'll always look at me as the special person who's uh, saved her from whatever or released her rape trauma or whatever. I'm cool with that because then you go to that guy and you go, oh, this is a guy who likes to stick his fingers into women and he knows what to do with the cervix because the actual releasing things is just technical. There isn't that much to it, right? Uh, you know, any mechanic could do it technically, right? But I'm not saying that they should or, or, or want to, but anybody and you can learn how to find these spots, release these spots. There's techniques, there's certain things you do. That's the thing. But then what in addition to that happens is, do you really serve that woman 
um, in a way where you're so clean that you don't engage in the the hooking, right? Or do you enjoy the hooks, right? Do you do you you know do you make it so that there's always a little bit of a dependence, right? Do you do you do her so good that she'll even her own husband can't right can't do it quite that good? There's all kinds of guys like that out there. Some guys are cleaner than others, and I've seen guys who just have spiritualized the fuck out of the yoni mapping massage, whatever. Then there's guys who just get off on it as guys, and then there's guys who have some really weird shit going on, right? Um, and some real, you know, some real childhood, whatever kind of weird stuff. I've not yet met a guy who who does it professionally who doesn't fall into that categories. I know guys who can do it and have done it for women with whom they are sexual and stuff. Um, they don't charge for it, they just do it and they're clean with it. Uh, could you go, well I haven't had sex in a while and there's not a guy that I would trust and this guy I can pay and he's reasonably clean and he knows how to get me off or f fix my plumbing or whatever. Totally. Just don't think that you're doing some big spiritual thing or that it's some, you know. So that, that's one aspect of it. Um, I personally would only go to a woman, personally, because I'm so, um, you know, squeamish when it comes to guys' energy, uh, even being touched or hugged, you know, all that, <laughs> the suction cups and the hooks and stuff, that I would probably just go to a woman and have taken care of what needs to be taken care of, if there's something. Um, I think it's valuable, um, personally. I think uh, most, my personal uh, tendency with my own female students is to teach them how to do most of this by themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, big, big believer in having the right kind of wands uh, and the right kind of positions. Um, so that you know your own cervix, you know exactly what's happening in there, you know the different rings vaginally, you can articulate them, um, you know, you know your pelvic floor, you know your ass, you know, you, know, you know all the bits and pieces and you can take care of them and you do take care of them regularly because as you probably know, even if you have the best yoni um, mapping in the world done or de-armoring or whatever people call it these days, one, you know, not so nice incident and your cervix hurts again, right? It, it, it's not like you, you detox it once and it's done. So um, internal maintenance um, by yourself, because you, know, you probably don't want to put this on your partner on a regular basis because then you, have, you are in a therapeutic relationship. It's not that sexy. Um, but, you know, if need be, you could. But once again, if your partner is really into that kind of stuff, you're probably having the kind of relationship where it gets a bit wonky. Honey, can you release my cervix? Sure. You know, it's not it, 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 not, so, not so healthy or not so sexy. So I think um, proper self-maintenance, super important. Um, if you need to get it done, get it done. If you know what you're getting yourself in with a guy, fine if you can, if you're willing to pay the price. The more sensitive you get, of course, the more you know what price you pay. 
Because like even last night there, and I don't know these guys, right? But some of the guys who hugged me, who I know are practitioners, ooh, ah, you know. I mean, they, they, you know, I wouldn't have him. Um, I mean, you, you, you're a dentist. I mean, who would you have your finger stick in your mouth? Not that many people. Exactly, exactly. You wouldn't go to some random dude and have him, you know, work in your mouth. And, and the same way, you wouldn't have some random dude working, you know, your most innermost sensitive areas. Um, unless, you know, you, you want to dissociate enough that, that you can deal with that for the sake of a procedure, so to speak. But you've got to know that, that that's a procedure or you want to get off, which is a totally reasonable thing to, you know, I have no problem with that. I've, you know, I know for, I have no women who, you know, use the services of dudes like that because it's way better than picking up a guy, but they know what they're doing. So that's my long rant on, on the yoni massage. And equally, you know, I mean, there's women who do lingam massages, there's men who do lingam massages, hey, it's all fun and games on a, on a cock, as far as I'm concerned, because there's no insertion. You know? But you want to see how many guys want to have their um, prostate massaged? Not many, exactly. You know? And because then they start getting a little bit like, oh, you know. Um, and, so, and so when a woman, for instance, would do prostate massages as a service, a man would have to look at it the same way. Is she somehow going on a power trip? Uh, is that something where she gets to penetrate a guy who would usually not be penetrated? There's all kinds of stuff to consider. Yeah, honesty, right? Honesty with what's happening um, will save you a lot of uh, spiritual injury and bypassing. Once again, my view on this is not the popular view, right? So I'm fairly adamantly against kegels um, and um, all that kind of stuff. And the reason why I'm fairly adamantly against kegels and those kind of things is that most women in the West, not all, and this is by no means to say nobody should do kegels or everybody should do kegels, but most women in the West just from the kind of life we have, have a chronically tense pelvic floor. Because your pelvic floor is essentially your grounding or not grounding. And the pelvic floor has to do with trauma. So um, if something happens, everything in your body goes, <gasps> and that if you do that, you feel the pulling up of the pelvic floor. Right? And so in most women, that whole area is chronically tense. And so by the time the childbirth comes around, or even before that, those muscles are somewhat worn out. And they are becoming weak, not because they've never been exercised, but because they've been over-exercised. And so like a trampoline that's been jumped on for way, way, way too much, um, it just becomes flabby. And so then, what typically happens is people get um, prescribed kegels and other things 
and that particular area of the pelvic floor can't be tensed anymore because it's gone. It, like the muscle fibers are just fucked. So you start exercising, over-exercising the other areas, your, your, you know, the, the areas around your anal sphincter and all of this. And so you over-exercise those areas till they eventually become weak. And then in older women, you sometimes, older women who had a lot of stress, the whole area becomes kind of incontinent. So um, I'd be very careful to go, well, I must strengthen that area. I'd be more looking at um, how can you create, if you have a weak pelvic floor, let's say, um, you know, in most, most young women now, they say now that most women in their mid-20s already, when they laugh or sneeze, lose a little bit of urine. Now they have panties for that. I don't know if you know that. In America now they have these new really fantastic um, like lingerie that has like layers in it so that you can you know pee yourself when you laugh because it's so common in young women. And um, so, so the, the pat answer of uh, just let's do kegels isn't I personally think applicable. And so how I would go at it is once again, I would become familiar with that whole area and I would learn where is their weakness and where's their strengths. And like, for instance, if you have a weak bladder, like you have to pee a lot or sometimes you have to pee a lot. Um, often that has to do with the ligaments that hold the, uh, the bladder in, 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 and the uterus um, in uh, place. And that can be adjusted chiropractically, for instance. So you create energetic um, grounding and you allow the areas of your pelvic floor that are not weak to pick up the slack for the ones that are weak. And that can happen uh, over time. You know, some things can be, you know, some people have just genetic things or in childbirth or whatever. I'm not saying every pelvic floor will fix itself, but um, by no means. But uh, it's preferable to learn what's happening in your pelvic floor and work with it other than just over strengths and other areas. Exactly. And that's the other thing, right? That's not that commonly known um, that hormonally speaking, I mean, shit can go from, you know, from one way to another within a month. And if you go to the doctor at that particular day, they'll tell you one thing and four days later it looks completely different. Your blood tests will look completely different. So knowing your body and knowing what does what, super important. When it comes to hormones and women's issues of all kinds, you definitely want to speak to women who are you know, practitioners that are in their bodies and have tried these things themselves. Midwives, um, nurse practitioners, naturopathic doctors, people who have uh, experience with female endocrine systems. That would be always my first go-to.